Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Serial Serial, the AV Club's podcast about a podcast that, in this new season, also happens to be about a podcast that made a podcast. Every week for about the next two months, a few Onion Inc. staffers will be talking about an episode of S-Town, the new podcast from the teams behind Serial and This American Life. I'm AV Club senior editor Mara Eakin, joined this week by AV Club and Clickhole copy editor Laura Adamchek, as well as graphics artist and Onion Inc. staffer Natalie Peoples. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi. Guys, this week we are tackling the third episode of S-Town, and this is the episode where we really hear what happened to John. What did you guys think of this episode? I liked this episode. I mean, I liked pretty much all of the episodes, I would say. But I like the way that this episode in particular kind of introduces a lot of themes and also just kind of just running things that end up becoming really important later on. That's Laura, by the way. This is Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you guys know. Sometimes it's like Josh and and Laura Browning, and then it's like pretty clear which one's Josh (laughs) and which one's Laura Browning. Um. So kind of the first thing we hear in the episode is Brian Reed talking to Skylar, uh, Jake Goodson's wife, on the phone. What did you think of Skylar's call? And then what did you think of Brian's conversation with Tyler about how he and John spent Father's Day? It's pretty sad. I'll say that. Yeah, I thought the the call was really sad. Um, I I thought that it was nice that she did give him a call. And towards the end of it, you know, she said, um, if you didn't matter— to this then we wouldn't have bothered getting in touch with you kind of thing when he's talking about attending the funeral or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, and I really like her voice and the way that she speaks. Mm-hmm. That sounded like a specific person that I know. And so it was, uh, along with a lot of parts of this podcast, uh, <laughs> really made me a little nostalgic. <laughs> Do you know people from the South? Yeah. Uh, I'm from Tuscaloosa, oh. which is not too far from Woodstock. I think it might be about 45 minutes, but yeah, I've got some. I used to play high school basketball in Bibb County, so I've been there. <laughs> wow. That's funny. So you have a specific angle on the show. Yeah. When I very first heard that it was being made, I was not so sure about it because all that they revealed was that it was a man who hated his uh, his hometown. So I was like, oh, great. More of this for Alabama. <laughs> I don't think we need any more uh, you know, evidence that it really stinks sometimes. It's interesting that I wonder if you have a different perspective on it than like we might have uh, not being from Alabama and you actually knowing what Bibb County looks like and what it is like and stuff like that. Yeah, I thought that this podcast really portrayed it in an honest way. That's um, good to know. 
I liked it. I think I went in expecting to really not appreciate someone uh, from, I think he's, I think Brian Reed is from Connecticut, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, lives in New York, going to sort of stare wide-eyed at the rural South. But um, I, I also like the sounds of this podcast. I think they, the music is really pretty, and they have, like, crickets and stuff that you hear throughout it. Um, so there were a lot of parts I liked a lot. Takes you back? Mm, totally. You mentioned that Brian doesn't know if it's appropriate for him to come to the funeral. Uh, he And then, you know, Skylar says, of course, you're part of this. What do you guys think about that? Is Brian a journalist or is he a friend? I guess um, to kick this off, I'll say that he wasn't really working on a story anymore because the the Cabram Burt thing wasn't a story anymore. So I wonder what his story had become, if it even was a story anymore. I think that's a really good point because obviously we're getting all seven of these episodes at once. So mm-hmm. we know that this is episode two of seven episode series. Three. Or episode three. Um So we know that it's part of a larger story. And I've heard, you know, a lot of people describe it as having this kind of novel-esque or like shape to the story. Yeah, because he knows the end of the story when he's doing episode three. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like unless he recorded episode three, you know, years ago when all of this was happening. I don't know. I guess I need to read more about you heard. Brian Reed on the long-form podcast, Natalie. Yeah, uh, I'm a little unclear on what exactly he was doing in that time between when he found out Cape Rumbert didn't commit a murder <laughs> and uh, uh, and now. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, it sounded like they put the whole story together um, after they knew all of the information that they knew for the most part. Uh, so I don't think that they—it didn't sound to me like they were creating this, um, and it happened to fall into this beautiful— sort of storybook form. Yeah. That's something that I wonder, too, because in this episode we meet the cousins from Florida, Rita and Charlie Lawrence. And I think they're portrayed in a kind of a sketchy way. Do you know what I mean? Where they're, you, as a listener, really jump into thinking, oh, there are these gold diggers that just rolled in from out of town. Maybe they <laughs> killed him. Yeah. Maybe they drove him to the edge. And they're coming to gut his house and take his mom and... And you pretty much hear all about them from Tyler's perspective. Yes, in, at at this point, and but, a little bit of of John's mother, sure. where she was very wary of having them go into the house mm-hmm. to get anything, like the clothes that they said that they were going well, to. Well, that's get. what Tyler said, right? Yeah. That's true. So then, I think that's weird because then you think, oh, he Brian had by the time he did all this, had met them, talked to them had a conversation with them, knew that they were probably decent people. Yeah. They weren't necessarily doing this. But he's building drama, man. Right. That was the That's the part um, of S-Town that sometimes I was a little conflicted about was him creating drama a little bit mm-hmm. when, um, you know, sort of creating some twists. Some of them, obviously, uh, he experienced the twists. But in that situation, I think he sort of manufactured it a little bit. Well, it's interesting, too, that a lot of the drama that kind of comes up, you know, where it's like, where is his gold, for example? Like, mm-hmm. this is something that keeps on coming up again and again. And he kind of leaves that, you know, open. I could I could see somebody wanting, you know, a very clean, kind of tidy ending with that. Um, and it seems like there was some hanging information that he purposely left out That's of true. the podcast. So... 
I was kind of following along with that drama almost, I don't know, I kind of didn't mind that the things were left floating a little bit. Speaking of that, there's this part in the show where Brian says, you know, he came because of Kabram Burt because he thought this kid died, Dylan Nichols, and he thought that Dylan Nichols' death would expose this corruption in this town, but that's not what really happened, and that John's body would expose the shit town. What did you guys think of that statement? Uh, I'll say personally, to kick this off, sorry, that I sort of thought, oh, shit, now it's going to be this tale of town corruption. And we just didn't get it. I think I was just looking for drama. Yeah, that was, uh, that line, I remember when I heard it, I was like, oh, man, here we go. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, I don't know exactly what they're saying is going to be exposed. Like, it seems like it ends up being a lot more about John B., then about, uh, you know, something crazy that really happens specifically in Woodstock. So I, th- I ended up thinking that was kind of a weird statement. Yeah, I don't know what we learn about the town as a whole right? by I, the end of episode seven. I think we learn about John in the way that he fits in to the town as a whole. Because, you know, like his body exposing something, it wasn't, you know, corruption or, <laughs> you know, any of the things that he was constantly kind of railing against. I think it was partly like his own loneliness and isolation mm-hmm. that although he was this very loquacious person who was seemed to have like a really wide net of friends and acquaintances and a really rich life in a lot of ways, like, I don't know, by the end of everything you know, thinking about his suicide in the context of the entire town, it felt like it felt indicative of something to me and the way that he fit in or did not fit in. I guess you could talk about how easy it is to become lonely. Mm-hmm. Like you can know a lot of people and have people around you, but you can still be very lonely, even in this small town. Definitely. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Speaking of small towns, what did you guys think about John's funeral? And what do you think John would have thought of his funeral? <laughs> I will, I'll tell a story. I was dating a guy in college, big uh, atheist. He happened to die. And then he had this crazy funeral that was very religious. And so this really struck me uh, very personally. This whole episode's kind of and all, all about all this drama that rises up after people die and how personal people Take it and how people spring from the woodwork. But, man, that funeral story, I thought it was a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And, I I mean, funerals are such kind of odd, performative yeah, events. Yeah, the question is, who are they for? Well, they're, defi- <laughs> they're definitely not for the dead. Um, I mean, it is. it says a lot that, you know, like you said, like he's an atheist, but there was this 
very heavy religious element to his service. But what struck me about that is just how kind of like impossible it is to kind of capture the idea of another person or their their essence. Like there are so many mysteries and kind of unanswered questions with regards to this character of John B. And this is a seven part podcast yeah, six and a half seven hours long yeah and so it's like I feel like everybody deserves their own <laughs> podcast or their own series like a funeral however half hour an hour long like it's never going to be able to to encapsulate a person especially John B feels like there's a lot yeah. we didn't get to know about him yeah I don't know it's nuts also, I mean, who's paying for the funeral? Probably his mom. So his mom just does whatever kind of thing she would want. Not necessarily. Yeah. You know, right. With the if, guy. Yeah. If, brother if, if David it was or for whatever. anyone, it was for her, really. And she just gets whisked away by Rita and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The evil cousins. Um, it's mentioned a lot in this podcast as a whole, but, you know, a lot in this episode, too about how John told Tyler, you know, anything you want in this house you can have. I'm going to leave my house to these guys who can really raise it up, all this stuff. What do you think John owed Tyler? And then the follow-up question is sort of, what does Tyler owe John in return, if anything? (laughs) Stumper. I I thought um, it was surprising that he, that John didn't have a will. Oh, that's crazy. I really couldn't believe that um even like a de facto will right do you know what i mean like something on his computer that you could try and get into court by saying come on this is his will it says his will especially since he uh seemed to always say to tyler that he was going to leave him stuff or he expected tyler to take care of you know things for him so i'm not sure that i didn't step away from this thinking that either of them owed each other anything i i don't yeah, I'm not, I don't know. That is kind of a stumper. I guess maybe kind of what I'm asking, it's not necessarily owed. Well, maybe it is owed in Tyler's respect. But do you think that Tyler, I don't know, do you think Rita should do, should make, make it right and make sure Tyler gets his stuff and all that? I mean, I think he should definitely get his stuff like back. Like his actual tools. Like his and- tools so he can have a livelihood, especially since John B. is no longer there to kind of provide him with these, you know, odd jobs around his property. Um, I don't know much more beyond that. Yeah, if they can't find the gold, you can't give them the gold. Right. (laughs) But, you know, if you're going to sell the tools anyways, you might as well give it to them and it's fine. Probably not worth that much money. Um, I guess sort of what I was getting at with what does Tyler owe John is to me then, you know, we find out in this episode that right after John dies, Tyler goes in, takes his laptop, takes all his paperwork, Eventually, he goes in and takes the trucks and the or the truck and the buses. Mm-hmm. Um, I started feeling kind of, especially on the in re-listening to these episodes, I started feeling kind of. I mean, I get Tyler's frustration and I get why he does that stuff, but then I feel so sad because it's like he's going down this path of crime. Yeah, he's going to get himself in trouble, and John wouldn't want that. No, it's the exact opposite. But it's such a bad situation. I think there are a lot of times uh, that they've brought up this, the idea of everyone um, in Woodstock having the fuck it mentality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, going and taking stuff 
that he feels like he deserves. I feel like Tyler was just embodying that a little by being like, you know what? I worked for him all this time. I did all this for him. I kept in company uh, mm-hmm. when he, no matter how he treated me, I'm going to go take this stuff because I, it's mine. <laughs> that totally makes sense to me. And I get that mentality. I, you know, I guess I would say, oh, I wish he had, you know, given it a little more time and gone over there. But if by a week later the place was gutted, mm-hmm. I guess what could he do, right? Like, you got to act fast then. It's so sad then how, I think they say in this episode how quickly death can go from spiritual to material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How quickly people start saying, I wonder how much money he had. I wonder where it is. I wonder. Yeah, they start talking in all these hushed tones about, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, very buried treasure and like going on a haunt. I can just like, it. I mean, it sounds like the beginning of a kind of bad 80s movie <laughs> where it's like this group of people all of a sudden, you know, with all of these shovels descending upon his <laughs> big property. Well, Tyler says it looks like that movie Holes. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> um. Where is Jake Goodson in all this, by the way? I was like, he was in the first couple apps and then he just disappears. It's like he didn't want to talk to Brian anymore, but they don't mention why. Yeah, I realized that later, too, that we we sort of stopped hearing from him. I don't know what happened. Because Skylar is Jake's wife and then Jake just disappears. But I guess we never really hear, we barely hear from Jake because, like, episode one is basically them trying to find Jake mm-hmm. to talk to him about Cabram Burt. Maybe he's just not a, not a podcast guy. <laughs> <laughs> um... I wonder what is going to happen to John's property. I mean, we find out later in the podcast who owns it now. Um, What do you guys think should have happened to John's property? It seemed like he, I liked the idea that his lawyers, his boozer downs, (laughs) sounds like a horse race track, um, had to donate it to like a historical trust or something like that. And it is a shame that that, that exactly the opposite happened. Right. I think it's sad, but not surprising what Mm -hmm. has happened to it, especially I think there was a point when they talked about um, how much money had been funneled into his maze Mm -hmm. and how expensive that would be to keep up. And it's not even really close to being mature yet. So if it had been, um, you know, in its... if it actually looked like a maze, I think uh, <laughs> maybe there would have been a little bit more interest in keeping it together. But, uh, yeah, I liked Boozer Down's idea as well, which I was talking about how crazy that name is um, <laughs> with one of my friends. But right now, Alabama's state treasurer's name is uh, Young Boozer the <laughs> third. So it, Boozer's last name? Yes. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Young Boozer the third. Um, there's a lot of good names in this show. I think even Faye Gamble has its, mm-hmm. like, charms. It like, you can just imagine her sitting in the clerk's office. <laughs> wearing I think some she big has glasses. some good hair. Yeah. yeah. And she also has, in this episode at least, one of the more tragic stories. Because John uh, committed suicide while on the phone with her. Yeah. Which is horrible. <laughs> Why do you guys think he did that? To have a witness, I guess, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. Like, in her of all of all people, because it seems like yeah, he was someone else? much closer to a number of other in people that we've met in this podcast. Um, I'm, I mean, the witness idea is an interesting one. Um, but if he was so kind of, I don't know, preoccupied with 
having that kind of like information validated, why didn't he have a will? You know, it seems like a way of, I don't know, there's like all these loose ends and I don't know, interesting kind of inconsistencies. Do you guys have wills? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I also don't have a ton of gold buried right. in my backyard. <laughs> Here's what I said, though, to a friend recently. Um, she was telling me that her mom unexpectedly died and that she had been dealing with just like a hellish amount of stuff because her mom didn't have a will. And she's like, you got to make a will. And I said, what do I have? I live in like a rented apartment and I have an Ikea couch and whatever. And, you know, I have a husband, so I assume it'll just go to him. And she's like, no, you can't assume that. Like, you got to spell it out. Like, you got to just take it out of his worry if something happened to you. So now I guess I'm going to be at 36 with a will. <laughs> with a very serious will. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue. And you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Uh, you guys, anything else you want to talk about? Are you unbanked? <laughs> are you going to unbank? That's <laughs> well, probably a good investment. <laughs> I'm fairly banked. <laughs> um, but now I will say that, like, now I'm fully aware of unbanking, and yeah. uh, I know that that's a thing. I, I think I, I do know of some older um, Alabama or just generally Southern people who have, uh, you know, canisters of cash in their freezer and strewn about their house. So it's not as unusual as you might think. And a towel in the freezer. Yeah. That's where his money was supposed yeah. to be. Oh, so maybe Faye's lying because she knows that that's a thing. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> where is that money? Uh, I am just going to go crazy trying to figure out where this money is now. <laughs> and it might not be anywhere. Maybe I'll find it in like 100 years when yeah. they try to put a development in Bibb County. It could happen. <laughs> um, Are you going to go to Bibb County like over your holiday break? Are you going to go down to Alabama anytime soon? I go am. CK3 Lumber? <laughs> probably not going to make it to Bibb County. I am going back to Tuscaloosa in a couple weeks. And uh, my parents are listening to S-Town right now, so we'll see. They made it all the way through. I'm interested to see what um, all the Alabama people are thinking about it. Is it a phenomenon there? Is it? Do people— I've seen a lot of people raving. You have to check this out. I'm on episode three, and I'm wondering how, how far in we get and what people are going to think as it gets further and further on. But you think it's pretty accurate. Like, you yeah. think it's reasonable. I liked it. Um, one thing that—I was trying to put my finger on what was weird to me about it, and I think one of the things that I like to tell people that is so great about the South is the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, sitting around with my family telling stories is are, like, half of the wonderful memories that I have of there. But this podcast is so funny in having that sort of um, public radio voice <laughs> as the framework, but then having all of these— um, heavy accents, you know, also telling the story. So those two things back and forth. Um, but I but I did like it. I thought that um, Brian Reed was really empathetic and, and wanted to reveal good things um, overall. My 
husband's friend thought that it was fictional because he thought that the accent sounded so <laughs> fake. Can you speak to the authenticity of the accents? Um, I will say that is on the very heavy end of the spectrum. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people with accents that strong, but um, it's it's real. Yeah, I have relatives who aren't too far from that. That's good. I guess if you if you spend time with people that sound just like that, then your accent will get deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for being here. Thanks to everyone at home for listening to The Serial Serial. I'm Mara Aiken, and I've been joined by Natalie Peoples and Laura Adamchek. This show is produced by Stephen Holliger and our executive director of audio, Mandana Mofidi. Our theme song is by The Hood Internet, and this episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. If you have a question you want to send us, you can now email it to us at serialserial at avclub.com or post a tweet using the hashtag serialserial. Uh... Please don't say mean things because I also see those. (laughs) And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Panoply, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you all next week for episode four. Thank you. Thank you.